morning. It's good to see everyone. And the Pasuk tells us in last week's parsha that Kadosh Baruch Hu appeared to Moshe Rabbeinu in Midian, and he told him, "Leishuv Mitzrayim, Akimetu Kol Anashim Hamavashim Es Nafshecha." If you're able to return to Mitzrayim, you should go and return to Mitzrayim because all those seeking to harm you uh, have passed away. Even though Rashi notes that uh, Dustin and Avirim were still alive, but they had been uh, their their status had been uh, lessened because they no longer were uh, had the same uh, resources and honey hush of kames, and therefore they could uh, not harm uh, Moshe Rabbeinu would be impervious to their uh, to their attempts to harm him. But writes the Meshachachma in that pasuk, Muchach dim hayu chayim hamevakshim es nafshay. If there would be those who would be seeking to do Moshe Rabbeinu harm, lahayet sarach leilech lahayti bnei Yisrael mitzrayim, who would not be obligated to go and take Klal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. Afal pisha kol Yisrael tzichem elav, even though they uh, needed him and they were in a situation of sakanas nefashos, their lives were in danger. Einot tzarech lahachnas atzma b'sakana. He was not obligated to put himself into a possible danger himself in order to save Klal Yisrael, even though they were in a certain danger. So Meshachachma derives from this Pasuk, that Meshach Rabbeinu, until uh, Dasan and Aviram had, uh, had passed away, or Ani Chashev Kameis, Meshach Rabbeinu was not obligated to endanger himself at all, even a suffix Sakana, even possible danger, to save Klal Yisrael who were in certain danger. And uh, Meshachachma makes a similar argument in his comments on the Or Sameach and the Rambam in Perek Zayin of Hilchos Ratzel Lochaches, the Mishnah tells us in Masech Des Makas and Dafir Alfa Mebeis that if a person kills someone else b'shoigeks, there's a mitzvah for him to go and uh, live in the Ir Miklot. And the Rambam quotes from the Mishnah Hagayla Eino Yaitzim Ir Miklot. A person does not leave the city of refuge Laolam. There's a mitzvah to stay there. But Fiu Kol Yisrael Tzrichin Gutshua. So even if everybody needs him to save them, he doesn't leave, even though they all need him, until the Kohen Gadol passes away. Then the Rambam, which, at which point he's relieved from the Ir Miklat, but writes the Rambam, continuation or an explanation of the Mishnah, this part does not appear in the Mishnah, if he leaves, if he goes, then the Gadol Hadam is free to kill him, the closest relative to avenge the blood of his relative who was killed. So writes the Orsameh, the Ramam adds this reason, the Ramam adds this reason why he doesn't leave, because then he'll be able to be killed by the Gael Adam. Because if all of Klai Yisrael needs him uh, in order to save them, why doesn't he leave? Yes, there's a mitzvah to stay in the Yermiklat, but Klai Yisrael needs him, and Bikuach Nefesh should be Deicha, all the mitzvahs of the Torah. With of course the th- three notable exceptions. Certainly, here where all of Klal Yisrael needs him, he should be able to leave. So the Rambam therefore explains, No, since he's going to put himself in possible danger, because the Gael Hadam could, uh, could take revenge and kill him, he should not enter into a possible danger himself. Even though he's coming to save his friend who is in certain danger. So again, the Meshachachma makes a similar argument when he's not obligated to put himself in possible danger to save uh, one's friend or someone else who's in certain danger. The Meshachachma has this comment a third time in Parshish Tazriya. When he's discussing why is it that the Nigate Saras are given over to be decided, adjudicated specifically by Kaihanim. Uh, if one has a uh, skin uh, discoloration, it doesn't automatically become a Nigate Saras unless it's declared as a Nigate Saras by a Kohen. So I asked the Meshachachma, why was this issue specifically delegated to Kaihanim? 
Ein hanegoyim sheinian hanegoyim shenimtzu laharon hakayin. Why was it specifically given to the kohanim? Who misisrei hatayra? We don't know the reason why. Asher atum of atayra tlui bekayin. Why should it depend on the declaration of the kohen? However, the Meshachach would suggest a possibility. It's a contagious disease. Therefore, dealing with the Mitzrayim is dangerous. You need extreme measures of divine providence to make sure that you don't become sick unless you're you know, supposed to become sick so that he should not become sick himself and contract the disease therefore Kodesh Baruch was specifically delegated to the Kohanim who are uh, sitting aside or learning Torah all day that they presumably function on a higher level of Hashkach process and won't contract the disease uh, gratuitously so it sounds like again from the Meshach why is no one else obligated to deal with these, or, or why is no one else responsible to deal with the Mitzrayim, is because it was dangerous, and one is not obligated to endanger himself in order to save his friends. This one is That is a very... Uh, I mean, the that comment of Meshach right. is certainly uh, one could debate that, because it's a spiritual disease. Right. Spiritual diseases we, should not, be, uh, should not be contagious. But he's suggesting perhaps uh, that was one aspect of it. It could be spiritual diseases are also contagious. Oil of Russia, oil of a topic for another time. So the Meshach Chachma says, uh, in three different places, one argues one is not obligated to endanger himself, um, even to save uh, someone else who's in certain danger. And the, he is coming to disagree with the comment of the Kesef Mishnah at the beginning of uh, Paragal of Hilchas Reitzeach, where the Kesef Mishnah writes, one, of course, is obligated to save his friend and not allowed to stand idly by, which we'll get to in a minute. How far does that obligation extend to save one's friend? So he quotes from the Talmud Yushalmi Masik, I feel You're even obligated to put yourself in possible danger in order to save your friend who's in certain danger. He's certain danger, your only possible danger. We have a rule when it comes usually to monetary issues that ain't a suffix, kind of like a bari vishem, a bari adif, if you're certain and he's only a doubtful. So usually the certain uh, prevails. So, so too, he applies it here with regards to endangering oneself. If you have to put yourself in possible danger, you're obligated to do so in order to save your friend who's in certain danger. Okay. Where is that Talmud Yushalmi? Yeah. So the Kesef Mishnah would have to say on, on, on the Rambam we already read in Paragzayin Halachachestet, he would have a problem with all of the riots of the Meshach Chachmah. The Meshach Chachmah says, I have a Pasuk against the Kesef Mishnah. There's a Mishnah against the Kesef Mishnah. That's what the Meshach Chachmah is piling up riots, is to, uh, is to argue with this Kesef Mishnah. Maybe, okay. okay. But the, Tal- the Kesef Mishnah claims to have a Talmud Yushalmi. So let's see the Talmud Yushalmi. It says the Talmud Yushalmi. Over here in Trumis, Baruches HaLachadawad. Rav Imi Itzid B'Sifsifa. Rav Imi was taken captive in the town of Sifsifa. Let's start making tachrichim for him. It's already over. He's never coming home. Either I'm going to go and kill them, or I'm going to go and be killed. But Rosh Lakish uh, was going to go and try and get Rav Imi back. He wasn't going to give up on him like Rabbi Yechman did. And P.S., what happened in the end? If you look at the last uh, four words, he went and he negotiated diplomatically and he was able to uh, retrieve, to redeem Rev Imi. 
So that's how the P.S. of the Gemara sounds like we should pass in like Reish Lakish. Meaning Reish Lakish was right not to give up on Ravimi. And what did Reish Lakish say? Reish Lakish said he was willing to risk his own life. Either I'm going to go and kill them or they're going to kill me. But he was willing to risk his own life in order to save Ravimi who was in certain danger. So the Kesef Mishra says it sounds like from that Talmud Yushalmi and the, at least the conclusion like Reish Lakish that one is obligated to risk his own life to save his friend uh, who's in certain danger. One could argue that Rish Lakish was acting, um, you know, righteously. It could be Me'ikar Adin, one doesn't have to do that. But clearly it sounds like, that from the opinion of Rish Lakish, that at least uh, it's a possibility that one is obligated to risk his own life in order to save uh, somebody else. So that was the opinion of the Kesef Mishnah. However, the Pisrei Tshuva and Chayshem Mishpat, where these halachas appear, the last simon of Chayshem Mishpat, simon Tav Chavav, so over there, the Pischei Tshuva quotes from the Agudas Ezoiv, who said, even though, who argues, even though that is the t- opinion of the Talmud Yushalmi, the Talmud Bavli disagrees. Because the Gemara tells us in Mesechlis Nida, over here, Oisvav, that there were certain Bnei Galila, people from the Galilee, the Navagalai, who colored the Kotl Nafsha. Because a, a rumor had been spreading about them that they were murderers. Asla Kameda Rabtafrin, they knocked one day on Rabtafrin's door, Amalelit Marin and Mar. Can you please conceal us? Hide us from the authorities. Amalahu hechin avid. What do you want? What do you want me to do? If I don't hide you, they'll find you. The authorities, and presumably they'll be in mortal danger. They'll kill them. Admirinchu. If I hide you, Ha'amar Rabbanan Ha'ilish Nabish Chazal said that the kind of Lashon Hara Afa Gavdu Kibui Lo Miboy. You're not allowed to accept Lashon Hara Mechush Le Miboy. You have to be Cheshish for Lashon Hara. The Chayshu said it's true. So, so therefore, I can't hide you. Zilu asu tamru nafshayichu. So therefore, you have to go hide yourself. What did it mean that I have to be Chayshu that the Lashon Hara is true? Meaning, maybe you are murderers. And what if you are murderers? I'm not about to let a, you know, harbor a murderer in my house. Either I'll risk my own life, or the authorities will come. Tysus explains, the authorities will come, and uh, they'll arrest me for harboring you. Uh, as a, you know, for harboring a criminal, so I'll risk my own life in order to save you. And it sounds like from uh, Rev. Tafrin's response that he's not obligated to risk his own life to save somebody else. So it sounds like from the Talmud Bavli, not like the Talmud Yishami. Maybe that's why. Otherwise, maybe he would have to risk his life. He didn't protect them because they were Misa. It didn't say that they unjustly killed. He said, yeah, he thought they they're guilty. So therefore, he might get arrested for harboring them. But if they were innocent people, it seems we'd have an obligation to... to uh, they, it doesn't say they were chai misa and abased in it. Uh, well, why do you have to say that? If they were innocent people, uh, it implies that if they were innocent people, he would have put his life in danger. You're saying it's only because... It doesn't sound like that. I mean, look at Tysus. Tysus says Rashi's, uh, according to Rashi, the reason why he didn't have to hide them was Shem Haragtim Vasalatziochem, like what you're arguing. I'm not allowed to save you. Meaning he's concerned about himself, not about them. That I'm going to risk my own life. So at least from that second opinion in Tysus, it sounds like it sounds like you don't have to risk your life to save somebody else. The Gemara, there's another, one could argue though, over there, that they're not in certain danger. They hadn't been caught yet. They were on the lamb. Maybe they'll be caught, maybe they won't. So they're themselves in uh, possible danger. I don't have to put myself in possible danger to save somebody else who themselves are only in possible danger, not certain danger. You could argue like that in the Gemara Nida. 
But there's perhaps another raya from the Gemara Mesech the Sanhedrin. The Gemara tells us in Mesech the Sanhedrin, the basic source for this halacha, the one is obligated to save his friend. How do you know a friend, another person who's drowning in the water, he's being mauled by an animal, or uh, armed uh, thieves have seized upon him, that you're obligated to save him. The you should not stand out where your friend's blood is being spilled. So, we're learning out from this Pasuk. No, we have another Pasuk to learn this out from. From where? The basic Pasuk in Parshish Kiseit say that you have to be Meshav and Aveda to return a lost object. Says the Gemara, if I have to return your uh, wallet to you, your pocketbook, certainly I have to return your entire body if I'm able to, to help you reclaim your uh, safety. Says the Gemara, no, if it would only be from the Pasuk of Hashavah Saveda, I'm obligated to, to return your wallet. I'm obligated to return uh, to help you uh, secure your safety. But let's say I need to enlist the help of others. Maybe I'm not obligated to do that. I'm not obligated to create a search party to return your pocketbook. If I happen upon it, I have to return it. I'm obligated to enlist others to help me. So, so maybe when it comes to saving other people, I'm not obligated to enlist others' help either. Kamash Malam, Samar Adam comes to teach me, no, you're even obligated to enlist other people's help and to hire workers to come to save your life. So you're obligated to do that. But the Gemara could have said something even more profound. Even in a bigger Kiddush, what could the Gemara have said? I'm obligated not only uh, you know, to, to help you to safety if I don't have to risk my own life, even if I have to risk my own life, I'm obligated to save you. The Gemara didn't say that. So from the fact that the Gemara didn't say, all it stopped that was, I have to hire workers. Okay, I have to hire workers. But it sounds like nothing more than that. So it sounds like I do not have to risk my own life to, to save somebody else. That's what is perhaps the implication of that Gemara in Sanhedrin. One could argue that that Gemara too is only discussing a person who's in suffix Sakana. They themselves are not in certain danger, but only possible danger. He might drown. He might get killed by the animal. He might get hurt by the, by the armed, armed robbers. Because the Ron asks in that Gemara, what do I need either one of these psukim for? I'll tell you where you should learn the Ron that you have to, uh, you have to save somebody else's life. is because the Pusik tells us if you see a Raidef running after someone to kill him, you have to save the Nirdaf. So if I have to save the Nirdaf, you're supposed to kill the Raidef. So if I have to kill the Raidef to save the Nirdaf, obviously I have to save somebody else's life. What do I need either one of these psukim for? I don't send all these. If you have a Pusik, whatever, yeah. I him. No, no mitzvah. That's just to save your own life. No, that, that's why you're not, you can't put yourself as a condom. If it's mitzvah, save someone else's life. It's not one of the Shlosh of Oh, So we'll get there. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Fair, fair, good, very good. So, but the Ron says that those psukim, the Pusik of uh, saving the Nirdaf, that's only a person who's uh, certainly being chased by a rodef. He's in certain danger. We don't know if he's only in possible danger. So he's only in possible danger. Nonetheless, I still have to save him. So if that Gemara is only talking about possible danger, not certain danger, maybe indeed I do have to risk my own life to save somebody who would be in certain danger. Maybe. 
However, the Meiri writes, no. And the Meiri makes the uh, inference that we made, that the only time you have to go and save somebody else is if, you can save him without endangering yourself. But if you have to endanger yourself, then you're not obligated to do it, probably because the imperative of your life should take precedence over the life of... Uh, you don't have to give up your life to save somebody else. Lemaisa, how do we paskin? So even though the Kesef Mishnah argued you have to risk your own life in order to save the life of somebody else, Roiv HaPaiskim, the Pesachet Shuv HaChashem Mishnah, the Meshachachma is Raias from Sukim and from Mishnayas, we had two Raias in the Talmud Bavli, Gemar Nida, Gemar Sanhedrin, that you don't have to do this, and that's uh, the conclusion of Roiv HaChreinim, as one does not have to risk his own life in order to save somebody else. However, writes the Mishnah Bura, you shouldn't be so machmir on what's called the suffix that kind of risking your own life. Uh, yeah, that not everything is risking your own life. You know, umnum, tzarech lishko, hadvarm heitev, don't be too machmir when the cheshman of, on the cheshman of somebody else. The miyesh bar suffix that kind of a love, ledaktik, b'yoyser, ka'yitza shomam, ledaktik, b'atzma b'kach, b'olidekach. You might be too machmir on this. Chas v'sholom, a person can find themselves in a similar situation themselves. So the Mishnah Bura concludes one is not obligated to risk his own life to save somebody else. But uh, you shouldn't be too machmir on uh, on applying this uh, this principle. And this is very relevant, of course, to donating uh, kidneys, which unfortunately is more common than one might think. Is one obligated to give up uh, one of his kidneys in order to save somebody else? So uh, the mortality rates of a person surviving with one kidney versus two kidneys are basically the same. If you look into it. Basically the same. But the procedure itself of removing the kidney is there, and there's always some danger involved in every surgical procedure. So it's like, uh, you know, three out of 10,000, whatever it is. There's some minimal danger involved. So is one obligated or allowed to donate one of his kidneys to save somebody else? Is so it really a suffix Crossing the street is one in. Is three out of 10,000 people get killed crossing the street? No, but. If three out of 10,000 people got killed by taking Tylenol, no one would take Tylenol. I guarantee you that. Yeah, but, I mean, driving a car. Remember the Tylenol sign, I think? It kills more than people in a war. It clearly is suffix a kind of view of... Driving a car, is a perfect example. It's more than... Odds are higher than you'll die in a car than you go into a war. I don't think it's three out of 10,000 times you drive in a car, you get killed. That's not going to save somebody either. The not person crossing the street. The is if a car touches you, what's the chance that you get out alive? The guy is taking a knife and starting to cut Okay, you. okay. If, if every 10,000 times you, you drove a car, a person got killed, we would think twice about driving in the car. It doesn't, it, 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 it's, it's not the same odds. Uh, so we'll get to in a second. We'll get in a second. So there is some sakana involved. So Diane Weiss argued in the Minchas Yitzchak as well as Rabbi Waldenberg and the Tzitzel Yezer. One is not allowed to donate a kidney to somebody else. You're not obligated to, say, uh, to risk your own life to save somebody else. You're not allowed to risk your own life to save somebody else. And they argue not to do it. However, Rabbi Vadim, the Chavadas, Rabbi Moshe, the Gris Moshe, Rabbi Shlomo Zalman is quoted by Dr. Abraham, that one is allowed, you're not obligated to do it, you're allowed to do it. Rabbi Vadim argues the, the risks are so low, perhaps there's a mitzvah to do it, an obligation, no one goes that far to say. But uh, perhaps since the risks are so low, we encounter these types of risks perhaps in other areas and we don't even think twice about it. So perhaps then uh, there is a mitzvah to do it, but definitely uh, not an obligation. It's generally understood to be uh, you know, that allowed, but you don't have to. Would that relate to Rabbi Shita? That by, you know, you're not, you're not, well, you're allowed to be, uh, 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 it's related to it, but that's a much larger issue. I don't think so. Yeah, it's a good point. Ramosha argues that there's definitely no obligation, uh, even if there would be no risk even if there'd be no risk of life, 
to yourself, even if the odds would become so min- minuscule that uh, you couldn't argue, it would be a suffix sakana. Rabbi Shah argues, nonetheless, one is not obligated to give up uh, a limb in order to save uh, somebody else. The Piskei Tshuva has... I'll quote it over here in the Shulchan Aruch in Yerodeus and the Kufnun Zayin, the Sugyus of Yaharik Val Yavor. So Shulchan Aruch says when you're dealing uh, with any one of the Averish uh, of the Torah, of course, with the exclusion of the Gimel Averish HaChamuros, you don't have to give up your life rather than violate them. But writes the Ramah, the Mucha Atmu Chala Shelo, you have to give, you could uh, give up all your money, all your resources, rather than violate this Eser Tzarech Liten HaKov Lo Yavor Lo you have to give up everything you can rather than violate Oisese. A mitzvah as we know, you only have to give up a fifth of your wealth, but to rather than violate Oisese, you have to give up everything. So, writes the Piskei Chu over there in the second bracket, but a uh, very uh, tragic case. Imama Hasali Yisrael, this occurred. Hanachli Lokoitz Ever Echad, Shein Chameis Mimenu. There was a Ganef, and he wanted to cut off his hand, so he said, if you, uh, if you don't let me cut off your hand, then he's going to kill somebody, a different Jew. If you don't let me, I'll kill your friend. Tragic dilemma. So he's obligated to give up a limb in order to save his friend. You're not obligated to give up a limb in order to save somebody else. Why not? So the Shach writes over there, it's because Sakonas Aver, we treat as Sakonas Nefoshes. Giving up a limb. Uh, you know, that kind of uh, diminishment of quality of life is equated with uh, giving up your life entirely. It's, a, it's like a Sarkonis Nefoshis. Even though, parenthetically, when it comes to Hilchah Shabbos, Sarkonis Aver is not Sarkonis Nefoshis. Uh, loss of limb is not treated the same way as a uh, loss of life. That might be that Gaital writes in his Akdama to the Sefer on Hilchah Shabbos, that might be limited to Hilchah Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Hilchah Shabbos is more Chamor, because the Gemara says in Mesech the Yuma, the only reason, according to one opinion of the Gemara, that we're Machal Shabbos for Pikuach Nefesh is because Vishamu Vene Israel says Shabbos, Lassus says Shabbos. Kaiser should keep the Shabbos in order to keep the Shabbos. So says the Gemara, Chalel Alav Shabbos Achas, Kadesha Yishma Shabbos is Harbek. Violate this Shabbos, meaning don't give up your life for Shabbos, so you'll be around to keep many more Shabbosos in the future. So it sounds like that's the reason, one reason why Machal Shabbos for Bikuach Nefesh is because if we're not, you won't be around next Shabbos to keep Shabbos. So Shabbos is protecting itself, kind of, violate this Shabbos, so you'll be around next Shabbos. So says Egoi Tal, that only relates to Sakonis Nefashos. You won't be here. What if the person will be here, but absent one limb? He'll be here to keep the next Shabbos. So then maybe Sakonis Aver is not Sakonis Nefashos when it comes to Hilcha Shabbos, because either way you'll be around next Shabbos. Perhaps it's not treated in the same way. However, when we're dealing with other Isurim of the Torah, uh, that uh, the, there is no uh, similar limitation, so then uh, the claims of Shach, Sarkonis Evers, Sarkonis Nefoshis. Ramosha has this in other areas too. Ramosha says, uh, with regards to the terrible case of a Kayin who got a finger cut off. So they wanted to reattach the finger, so, which is usually what, uh, what, what they try and do. So the problem is that a Kayin is not allowed to come in contact with an Eber Menachai. That's one of the pro- prohibitions of Tumas Kayhanim. Not only with a mace, but even an Eber Menachai is Tomei Tumas Mace. So, can you reattach the coin's own finger to himself? He's violating Tumas, uh, tumas Kayhanim. So, I should go through many different svaras there about why it could be allowed, many debatable svaras. However, the basic argument that Ramayusha makes is that a coin is not obligated to give up a limb 
for the Easter of Tumas Kahanim. Tumas Kahanim is a very important Easter in the Torah. At the same time, it's not one of the Gimel of Eretz and Chamuras. You're not obligated to give up a limb. Or people that discuss cornea transplants where a person is taking a, a limb from a mace. So the prohibition of the Torah to benefit from a mace. You're not allowed to benefit from a mace. Nonetheless, Ramesha argues that uh, you're not obligated to give up a limb or a person's possibility of sight rather than uh, you know, violate the Yisraf Hanam in a mace. So Sotu over here says, Ramesha, yes, there's an obligation to save your friend. Even if there'd be no risks involved, you're not obligated to give up a limb uh, in order to save your friend. In order to fulfill Loisamir Odamrayacha. What about if you're not asked to give up a limb, but we're just discussing donating blood or a bone marrow, which involves some measure of inconvenience, perhaps discomfort, perhaps even uh, uh, it's a painful. So is one obligated to endure that in order to save his friend? So the Gemara told us in Masech the Sanhedrin, you have to go pretty far. Is it a Reviyas like a nefesh? Yeah, come on. Uh, it's I don't think so. I, don't think. I saw that. So he hasn't makes that argument. I don't think it has uh, legitimacy. But uh, Gemara says, Masechus Sanhedrin, you have to go pretty far to save the life of your friends, even after hire workers. So do you have to? It sounds like you even have to spend money to hire workers in order to save your friends. So it sounds like from that Gemara that one would ob- be obligated to endure some amount of suffering or discomfort, certainly inconvenience, uh, in order to save uh, to save one's friend. Ramayisha, so you'd be obligated to give up blood. Ramayisha has a chuva about giving blood where he says one is allowed to give blood even if there is no, uh, no danger that's uh, present in front of you. A person wants to give blood to a, randomly to a, a blood bank for some future need. There's no chayla bifaneinu. There's no uh, imminent uh, chayla who's, uh, who's in front of us. Nonetheless, Ramayisha argues that it's allowed. He says, how could it be a problem? In the Gemara, they let blood as a as a medicinal uh, activity. How could it be that it's a problem donating blood? Because you're ha- harming yourself. You're, 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 you're damaging yourself. So the Rambam says, there's an Isa Lachba Ba'atzmai. Right? It's the Rambam, Perakei of Hilchus Chayvo. Here, Halacha Aleph. Still, you're not allowed to. Also, the Adam Lachba Ba'in Ba'atzmai Ba'in Mechavero. You're not allowed to do it. Because the Loisei say, Loisei Flakhoisei. You're not allowed to give unnecessary wounds. So here, you're, 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 you're wounding yourself. Nonetheless, as Shlomo Zalman argues, you're allowed to give blood. One second. You're allowed to give blood even if there is no imminent danger. Because the Ramam stipulates that it's only if it's Derek Nitzoyan, it's in a destructive fashion. Then you're not allowed to harm yourself. Let's say it's in a constructive fashion. You're doing it to save somebody else. Senator Shlomo Zalman argues uh, that it is allowed. So you're allowed to give blood, uh, you know, even if there is no imminent chayla uh, in front of you. But Moshe says, because bloodletting was done in the Gemara as a medicinal activity, which Shlomo Zalman argues, because it's not derech nitzayin, it's not uh, destructive. But certainly if there be a chayla bifanenu, uh, imminent danger, who, let's say, you know, is a sur- surgical patient who needs a blood transfusion, and they ask family members or others to donate blood so they should have blood on hand, so they don't have to appeal to the blood bank, so then, so then uh, well, many parties can assume that one would be obligated uh, to give blood in that situation because it's... Uh, so if you're afraid to give blood and you need to pay somebody else to, pay, to, to do this, so is this... What do you mean you're afraid to do it? Oh, you have a phobia. You can always hire somebody. So then you're... You know, if you have a phobia of giving blood, so then that's like... You're, you're, you're making yourself a chayla in order to... No, but if somebody's drowning and I'm afraid to jump in, I tell my friend, tell you what, give me If you're afraid to jump in, you're not going to be any help jumping in. (laughs) So you're putting him in danger, right? 
that's a yeah, it's a unique situation, but right, yeah. If you have I mean, unique people, circumstances, people hire mercenaries and they didn't want to fight more, you know. No, but how many people do you know have a phobia of giving blood? I mean, uh, no, no one loves no, doing it. People, a lot of people are afraid of needles big time. Yeah, uh, interesting. Yeah, but it sounds like if you have a chalib, so then regularly they have the blood drive, it works, so you don't have to do that. But if they have a chalib funeri, you'd be obligated to overcome your phobia, I think. Yeah. They're paying poor people to give kidneys and stuff like that. Oh, oh we'll get to it in one second, right, right now. <coughs> but how do you know that you're obligated to endure this amount of discomfort, or at least perhaps even pain, in order to save your friend? So he said, because the Gemara says you have to go and hire workers if you have to give up your money in order to save your friend. So certainly you'd have to endure some amount of discomfort, perhaps even pain, or perhaps even you know overcoming uh, personal phobias in order to save uh, in order to save your friend. However, the uh, Achronim discuss. But just one second. Getting back. By the way, bone marrow tr- donations it might be different. There, a person has to be. Uh, they usually in, amount, entail some amount of sedation or general anesthesia. It's much more painful. So there's always risks involved in that. And so nobody holds one is obligated to do that because that goes back to the old issue of enduring some amount of risk in order to uh, in order to even save somebody else. Even when there's a chayel Even when there's a chayel you're not obligated to endure risks. And every general anesthesia has some minimal risks involved. So one would not be obligated to do that. One would be allowed to do it like the kidney donation. But how do you know that you're obligated to endure any amount of discomfort or uh, pain in order to save your friend? Because the Gemara said if you're obligated to hire workers, it sounds like you have to go pretty far. You know, you even have to give up uh, some of your resources in order to save your friend. Sounds like you'd have to endure some discomfort as well. However, the Yad Ramah writes on that Gemara that even though you're obligated to hire the workers, you're not obligated to spend the money. He says the Gemara didn't say you're obligated to give up your money to save your friend. The Gemara said you're obligated to be matriarch yourself to hire workers. To pay your own money, the Gemara didn't say that. Where said you're obligated to hire workers, so you can ask to be reimbursed. You'd have to go and pay, let's say, call 911. If I don't know how to save the guy who's drowning, yeah, call 911. Even though I think they charge you afterwards for that, or they, they, they could charge you uh, for that, uh, you know, so they need a yeah, helicopter and things. They a boat in the middle of whatever, they send out the Coast Guard. For, they charge you. They send you a bill. They send you a bill. So I'm, an, I'm obligated to call. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not obligated to pay the bill. The Gemara never said you're obligated to pay your own money. So it sounds like from the Yad Ramah, if, if it would entail me spending my own money, I wouldn't be obligated to do it. But isn't it one of your shame says I'm, obli- I'm allowed to be reimbursed. I've never seen one of your shame says that you do it, but then you have to tell you... So the Meiri says, the Meiri disagrees with the Yad Ramah and Gemara. He says, no, you're allowed to be reimbursed. You're, you can ask to be reimbursed. But even if you know, Meiroshin, they're not going to be able to pay you, you're still obligated to do it. You're obligated to spend your own money. Really, you should pay you back. But even though he has no money to pay you back, you're not allowed to refrain from doing it. Okay, fine. So the Meiri says you're allowed to be asked to be reimbursed, but you're not allowed, uh, you can't uh, refrain from doing it if, you're not, if he uh, is not able to pay you for it. It could be that that machlekes rishon between the Yad Ramah and the Meiri really hinges on a conceptual issue, which is, look back at that Gemara and Sanhedrin. The Gemara puts together two sources to come up with this obligation to hire workers. We started out with the obligation of Hashem HaSaveda to return. You have to return your wallet, you have to return your friend's safety to himself. What about, and the Gemara said, but uh, is it only with another possible? That comes to teach me that I'm even obligated to hire workers. Which is the primary source now for the obligation to save your friend? Is it from Hashem HaSaveda or is it from Loisamad Adam 
So if you look in Rashi on that Gemara over here, Oisio Dalin, Rashi writes that Vashevos Eloi comes uh, to teach us to have a more expansive view of Loisamar al Damriacha, Loisamar al Atzmecha. Don't you stand idly by? The primary source sounds like it's Loisamar al Damriacha. Vashevos Eloi comes to enlighten us, to teach us we should have a greater perspective, a broader view of Loisamar al Damriacha. It doesn't just mean don't stand idly by, but you should be active, pursue all possible avenues of saving your friend. But it's really primarily learned out from Loisam and Adam Reyecha. The Chlushe Aran in that Gemara doesn't sound like that. Why do you say that the Rashi is involving Hashavah Sabeda to Gordon? Why doesn't he get. What says here that Hashavah Sabeda Shlach? No, that's how, what he means. Yachshu, Kolat Stadim, even enlist the help of others. This is on the conclusion of the Gemara. When the Gemara said. So you're saying that conclusion is a Hashavah Sabeda type of an. Hashavah Sabeda comes to teach us to have a more expansive view of Loisam and Adam Reyecha. I still don't see why you're saying it's the Hashavah Sabeda that gave you that expansion. Because that's the Gemara. The Gemara said, if it would only been Loisam and or it would only been Hashavah Sabeda, I would have said, okay, you have to do it yourself, but I don't have to enlist the elders. So, when we put the two together, I derive an obligation even to enlist others. So now what's the primary source? Hashavah Sabeda or Loisam and So Rashi takes a very expansive view of Loisam and Pursue all options. However, the Chedusha Haran on that Gemara disagrees. Chedusha Haran says that it's not because It's not that Leisam Adam Reyecha implies I have to be Chayzer al Kolat Stadim. I have to exhaust every possibility. No. From the fact that I have two psukim, an extra pasuk, I have Leisam Adam Reyecha, I have a Shavu Zameida, I derive an obligation to do even more than I would have initially anticipated. But it's not that all derived from Leisam and Adam Reyecha. So perhaps Hashavah Saveda still plays a crucial role. If that's the case, so perhaps that explains the Machlechus Rishonim that we just had. If it's derived from Leisam and Adam Reyecha, it's no different than other, any other Leisase in the Torah. Any other Leisase in the Torah, we saw how much money do you have to give up rather than violate the Leisase in the Torah. You have to give up all your money. So you even have to spend your own money. Yes, you can ask him to reimburse you, but if he can't, you can't refrain from saving him. That could be the opinion of the uh, of the uh, of the Meiri. That's based on like Rashi that it's Loisam and Adam Reyecha. However, if Hashavas Aveda plays a role, I don't have to give up my own money to do Hashavas Aveda. The post says in Parashat Re'ei, "Efes Kilo Yebechah Evyon." I don't have to spend money to return your Aveda to give your money back. I don't have to spend my own money. So if that's the case, I don't have to spend my own money. If Hashavas Aveda here still plays a role, perhaps I don't have to spend my own money in order to save you. And then that perhaps was the opinion of the Yad Ramah, that I can ask, that I can demand to be reimbursed, and if you can't reimburse me, perhaps I don't have to save you in the first place. But either way, what you see from this uh, the discussion in the Rishayim is that clearly, in the eyes of uh, Rishayim Chazal, one is allowed to be uh, paid in order to be a donor, to be a blood donor. I think they do pay uh, blood donors, but uh, to the best of my knowledge, a, blo- a bone marrow donor or an organ donor, you're not allowed to be paid. You're not allowed to be reimbursed because they're afraid of possible abuses that people will sell their bodies uh, and it'll lead to trafficking and uh, human trafficking. But al Alacha, one is allowed to be reimbursed. And there are those who argue that that would be the best possible scenario is because uh, that would increase the donor pool, obviously, that people would be more inclined to be, to be a donor. But either way, whether uh, assuming one doesn't have to risk his own life, even if he does, 
Uh, perhaps it's uh, perhaps uh, one has the the right to do it, but whenever one has the possibility, of course, to save the life of one's friend, we should uh, seize the opportunity to do that great chesed. <laughs>